You're listening to episode 10 of the Journey to Launch podcast, how Patrice Washington became America's money maven, a true rags to riches story. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast with your host, Jamila Souffrant. As a money expert who walks her talk, she helps brave journeyers like you get out of debt, save, invest, and build real wealth. Join her on the journey to launch to financial freedom in, in five, four, three, two, one. Hey guys, thank you so much again for joining me on the Journey to Launch podcast. And before we get into this amazing interview with Patrice Washington, I wanted to just point out a couple things that you might be interested in. So first, as always, if you are listening to this in iTunes, especially iTunes, please subscribe, rate and review the podcast. I will be reading another iTunes review at the end of this show. And so if you want to just support me, have my show get more out there, the best way for you to do that, other than telling your family and friends and sharing episodes is one, subscribe, subscribe to anywhere you listen to podcasts. And especially if you listen in iTunes, leave that review because it really does help raise my visibility of the podcast and get the name out there. Second thing, If you heard the last episode, you heard that I got my first voicemail and I want to get more. So I'm thinking of doing a Q&A episode. So either it'd be a whole Q&A episode or I'll just do Q&As at the end as a segment. I don't know. I haven't decided. So if you guys have a preference, let me know. But that means I need your help. I need you guys to send me in voicemails, whether that is just leaving me feedback or better yet, asking me a personal finance question. So if there is something you want me to answer, send it in a voicemail. Go to journeytolaunch.com slash voicemail to leave your voicemail. All right, that's enough housekeeping. (laughs) Let's get into the episode. And I wanted to just talk a little bit about Patrice and her background and what you're about to hear. And so if you've been following the podcast, you know that I interviewed Patrice at Podcast Movement. So you will hear some static and noise in the background, but I hope that just adds to the feel that we were like, you know, live in a room full of people. It was a lot of energy and it was such a good conversation. And Patrice was so nice and welcoming. I met her for the first time at Podcast Movement, but we have a friend in common. Nasima from Financially Intentional. Hey, girl. And I knew that Nasima knew Patrice, but it was just a random thing that I saw Patrice at Podcast Movement. You know, I always loved her work, always followed her. And it was just cool that I also knew one of her friends. So it was just a good little connection that we had. So let me give you just a little bit more background about Patrice Washington. Patrice Washington is America's money maven. She is a best-selling author, speaker, and coach. She has been on the Steve Harvey show. She is syndicated on Steve Harvey's radio network. She's been on Dr. Oz. This lady knows her stuff. And in this interview, we talk about her full journey to how she became who she is today. And it's a very interesting story. Patrice grew up with not much. She worked really hard. And by the time she was 24, she was a millionaire. She was running a seven figure business, but then she lost it all in the recession. And she talks about what she did to pull herself up off of that 
floor of the living room that she was on crying at one point to build herself back up to where she is today. And I was just so inspired by her story. I was so glad she was so open and vulnerable, which you'll hear. You'll hear the vulnerability. You'll hear the truth in what she's saying in the podcast. And she just gives great tips for any one of us on this journey to stick to it and to really, really, like she says, chase purpose, not money. And like I said, you'll hear a little static noise in the background, but I think you'll still be able to hear everything. And I really, really hope you guys enjoy this episode. If you want the show notes for this episode, you can go to journeytolaunch.com slash episode 10. I'll have where you can find Patrice, her website, and she's launching her own podcast. It actually is going to be out by the time this ears. So I'll have all of that in the show notes so you can connect more with Patrice and you're definitely going to want to after hearing her story. All right, let's get into the interview. Okay. All right, guys, I am so, so excited to have this very special guest on the Journey to Launch podcast. I have Patrice Washington here with me live at Podcast Movement. Hey! Hey, girl. What's up, Geneva? I'm so excited to be here. Okay. First of all, I've one, I love your brand. I Thank love you. what you stand for. Just look at, even if someone just goes to your bio of your website, like I love how you spoke about like your upbringing, what shapes your money mindset, what you've been through. Yeah. Um, by the way, you're not the only black girl who doesn't like chocolate. Okay. Okay. <laughs> because I'm not a big chocolate fan either, but... Just in general, I mean, I connected so much with your story, and not only that, we do have um, someone we know in common, Nasima McElroy. Yeah, shout out to Nasima, fine on Trojans. Yes, yes, <laughs> and she. So I, I've connected with Nasima online, mm-hmm. and she had mentioned that she knew you, and I just think it's amazing that like coming to this conference and meeting you, like yeah. in person, is like that connection. It's just yeah. like it's meant to be, girl. Absolutely. So, can you just like describe like your upbringing, your background, like what has turned you into America's money maven? Girl, a lot of shenanigans (laughs) will turn me into America's money maven. Well, I don't know about you, but I didn't grow up really having intentional conversations about money at all. And so I learned a lot of things through trial and error. But when I was 19 years old, I got into real estate. A family member had become a broker and introduced me to the game of real estate. And I got the bug and I loved it. So 19, I was a licensed salesperson. And then 21 decided during my senior year, I would become a real estate and mortgage broker. And I actually was studying entrepreneurship at the University of Southern California. That's how I know Nasima. And one of my professors was like, basically, who do you think you are? Like, you're going to just start a real estate business? He's like, you need to work in the industry for at least seven to 10 years and save X amount of dollars. And it was something in me. I was like, I'm going to prove him wrong. He don't know who he's messing with. Okay. And... Left school, didn't look for a job, didn't apply to any grad school. I literally just started that business. My now husband of almost 10 years was my boyfriend, best friend and boyfriend back then. And we were like, we're going to do this together. And by 25, it became a seven-figure business. Wow. So you graduated from college. Yeah. What did you major in? Business. Business. Emphasizing entrepreneurial studies. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you knew from very early on you wanted to be an entrepreneur. Oh, second grade. Second grade. I was a second grade candy lady. Okay. We had an incident at the ice cream truck. (laughs) And they made the ice cream truck go down the street, and most of the kids couldn't cross the street. Right. And I took my birthday money and asked my mom to take me to Smart and Final. We bought candy, and I was selling Jolly Ranchers 
making the money. Right. And, and that's when I knew. So you had, you had it in you ever since. Now, yeah. So you graduated from college. You had your business degree with a specialization in entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And then you started a real estate business. Yeah. What happened next? So in the real estate business, how we grew was because I was going all over the place, teaching people about very basic personal finance concepts, budgeting and saving and debt consolidation and things like that, just because, I, or debt elimination, I should say, just because I wanted to use that as the marketing tool to bring people into the business. And so fell in love with teaching, but then the recession hit. And at the height of the recession, I actually was on bed rest in the hospital waiting to have my daughter who was still born 10 weeks prematurely okay and racking up a $400,000 medical bill all while looking at the television screen every day watching the banks close down one by one and my staff was freaking out I had 16 people on my team and my staff was freaking out left and right and honestly it became so overwhelming my doctor came in one day I would wear the little belt that monitors your belly and the heartbeat of the baby and stuff and she said, I don't know what you're stressing out about, but if you keep on, you're going to leave here two years in a row with no baby because I had lost a son the year before. And I made a decision in that moment to surrender. Like, you know what? If you did it once, you can do it again. But at that point in my life, I realized how important family was to me and being a mother. And I was like, you got to surrender and let it go and just let the chips fall where they may and they fell real raggedy and real hard (laughs) okay so wow what a story so you had a very thriving real estate business yeah you were pregnant and the market collapsed yeah what happened did you lose all your investments I did definitely everything in our stock portfolio plummeted we had 13 pieces of investment property we were lucky to short sell maybe 6 or 7 and had to foreclose on the rest I laid off my entire staff and team closed the doors and literally within a span of about 16 to 18 months went from this seven figure business to scraping up change wow so would you describe that as your like lowest moment absolutely it was one of the lowest moments in my life and it was really humbling because at one point we had to get out of this 6,000 square foot home that we had in southern california And we ended up in literally this 600, 700 square foot, we call it box, in Louisiana. And there was one point where I was literally on the floor snotting and crying and just like bawling and like, God, why? Because I've been a good person. And I did everything. Like, I'm tearing up. Oh, wow. (laughs) I was like, like, I've been a good person. I did everything in integrity. I took care of people. You know, I could have put tenants out. My tenants have been losing their jobs and I didn't want to just put them out on the street with their kids and... In hindsight, yeah, I could have made a lot of different decisions, but I really valued the people that depended on me. And I, but you know, like I valued those relationships. So I didn't do some of the things that I could have done to to maybe, you know, stop the bleeding. But yeah, I'm like, God, why me? And that was my low point being on that floor, just like, I can't take it anymore. And by then you had your daughter. I had my daughter. My daughter was born. 10 weeks prematurely, like I said, but no issues. Thank God. Three pounds, two ounces. Okay. And is thriving today. Awesome. And you are, by then you were married. Yeah. So you and your husband, then and now husband, really have been through a lot together. And we'll get, yeah. we'll fast forward to what you're doing today. But yeah. I really want to highlight this moment for you that where you literally lost everything. So yeah. not only did you not come from money and you created, like, you created a name for yourself. You worked hard for what you had. You lost it all. Yeah. So, all, all. So, how did you go from 
being on that floor, broken down with nothing, to building yourself back up and where you are today. And just in case, I want to just interject, because maybe someone listening doesn't know who you are. Yeah. Just briefly, where are you today? Because I want to highlight that big transition. Yeah. So today, I'm America's Money Maven, and I have the honor and privilege of being a best-selling author of a three-book personal finance series called Real Money Answers. I'm actually working on my fourth book now. I have a weekly syndicated radio segment on the Steve Harvey Morning Show, which is 54 cities, 3 to 4 million listeners a week. Do a lot of television and radio, coaching women entrepreneurs on how to use their God-given gifts to earn more money, and just all around living my life's purpose. Okay, wow. So now, how did you go from that girl on the floor floor to where you are right now? When I was on the floor, I literally, I believe, heard this still small voice, kind of that internal thing that's like, get your Bible. That's what it was for me. And I grabbed my Bible and ended up turning to Proverbs 17, 16 on a flute. I wasn't looking for anything. I just kind of, I knew I had brought myself as far as I could. And clearly it wasn't working in that moment. And I found Proverbs 17, 16, and it said, what good is money? In the hands of a fool, they have no desire to seek wisdom. Mm. And in that moment, I was like, man, okay, you got the degree, you have the licenses, you have the certifications and all this stuff. But at the end of the day, you've been a fool, you know? And I realized that I hadn't been seeking wisdom. I had, at that, up until that point, got addicted to chasing money because I was raised to... You know, you got to work hard, go to school, get a job, or start a business. or do. But all the goals were very in alignment with just getting more and more money. And I grew up in the hood. So I was trying to, you know, I had been chasing, you know, money or fleeing that upbringing my whole life. Right. But I didn't know how to seek wisdom. I used to confuse knowledge with wisdom, right? Because I was smart, real book smart, right? And so I thought, well, the more knowledge you have, the more money you're going to make that. No, that's not it. Seeking wisdom is the application of knowledge. It's not it's not the knowledge. A lot of people become information hoarders thinking more and more knowledge is going to change something. But wisdom is what matters. Like, what do you do with the knowledge? How do you apply it? With who and when? And a part of that is also understanding how to ask for help. And through that whole season, people didn't even know what was going on with us. People in our family didn't even realize how we were living in New Orleans with disconnect notices every other day. They had no idea because we were ashamed. I was embarrassed. I felt guilty. I'm like, I'm the one in the family that, quote unquote, made it. I'm not supposed to be going through this. And so I didn't ask for help. That's probably been one of the biggest lessons that I learned and what has gotten me here is that I started to really embrace this notion that you have nothing to hide, you have nothing to defend, you have nothing to protect. Your story is your story, right? And it's like a so what, now what? This is where you are, but you've already brought yourself as far as you can. Now, what are you going to do? And for me, that answer in that moment was to ask for guidance and help and not be afraid to tell people like, look, I don't know. Like, I kind of jacked this up over here or I'm like going through this over here. Like, I don't know what to do. And people were so much more gracious and so much more kind than I had made up in my mind, mostly because of probably how I was raised, that you don't tell people your business. (laughs) But when you don't tell people your business, you also don't get help. Right. It's a lonely process to need help and not know how to ask for Yeah. And to be too prideful to ask for it. Yeah. Pride comes before the fall. Right. Yeah. So you are picking yourself up off the floor now. You realize that you need help. You're asking for help. So the steps you made then to now become just where you are, like what happened? So when I got off the floor, 
I had this crazy notion about starting a blog. I had kind of, this is 2009, I had kind of heard of a blog, but didn't really quite know what it was. I started a blog literally the next day. It's still up. It's a free blogspot.com. And I leave it up because I don't I have nothing What's to hide. What's that blog? Seekwisdomfindwealth.blogspot.com. Okay. And I'm going to make sure I link to that in the it show notes. It is legit still up. Okay. And so because Proverbs was that thing that changed, like in that moment, I was like, whew. That was deep, that Proverbs 17, 16. So I started to pick apart Proverbs and pull out financial or business lessons and share them on this blog spot. Like, because I thought about how many times I had read stuff and it, I didn't understand how to apply it to my real life, right? And I was like, maybe there are other people out there who are challenged about how to make this practical and applicable. So I started with that, not really thinking anyone would read Jamila. Like, if my mom and I read, it was like, cool, we got two today, you know? But I did it just really to be doing something Mm -hmm. and trying to occupy myself and be useful, (laughs) I think, in that season. And so I started to do that every week. And I remember, like, for a couple weeks, I was like, this is dumb. Nobody's looking, like, you know. And a random guy, to this day, I owe him my career. I don't know who he is. He's never said anything else to me. But I got an email from a random man who said, I hope you're okay. Been missing your blog post. And I was like, who is this man? Because I really was not online. I didn't really understand a bunch of stuff. It was a new world for me. I had just joined Facebook and Twitter, like, you know? And I was like, who is this man? Where did he come from? How does he know me? Is he a stalker? This right. is weird. What's like, going someone on? cares about like, what someone I have to cares say? About- like- and no, it hit me. I was like, wow. Like, what I was saying impacted him. And that gave me the encouragement I needed to, like, you know what? Even if it's just one person, I'm going to keep going. And I made a decision that... Even if it's just one person, I want to help people as I restore myself, like understand that this journey is about purpose. It's really not in wisdom. It's not about chasing money. So I was like, anything that I can do to spread that, I'm going to do. Well, from the blog, once I got on Twitter, I ended up getting an opportunity to write for a magazine. And then I got an opportunity to be on a, like a blog, what was it, Blogspot radio show? Oh, yes. Like back in the day. And then it like, those things, it just kind of, the momentum just kept going and going. And then after like a year and a half or so of doing the blog, and then I started to volunteer at financial-based nonprofit organizations around Atlanta mm-hmm. because I wanted to take what I used to do to build the real estate business and just do it again. I'm like, I really like the education piece. Right. And so I created my own speaking like events, like at the library, right? <laughs> like at the public library, or I would go to a church and say, like, hey, this is my name, this is who I am, this is my story, I would love to like share with your congregation. And like I said, that people were so much more open to saying okay than I thought they would be but I was just I lost everything I have nothing to lose right and I think what what that is is your authenticity and your story so many people can relate to it and will relate to it because nothing is easy so a lot of people right. see you now and say well and they don't know what exactly you've been to the yeah. where you are and the fact that you can share that and teach people like that you can come from nothing yeah build something lose it all and build it again yeah it's possible and you know what people always ask me so how did you get from because at one point I lived on my brother's couch too I mean it was real my husband ended up taking a job at Taco Bell so we would have health insurance he had open face tacos thrown in his face through the drive-thru on more than one occasion like I mean we went through and not for like a day or two like 18 months two years of just constant struggle, really. But we always used to say something, too. We're very big on mantras and stuff. And we used to say, been there, done that on the way back. Like, every time we saw a beautiful home or 
Range Rover. We've had matching Range Rovers back in the day or just anything that reminded us. We'd be like, been there, done that on the way back. And we just had our mindset on like, we're coming back. This is a season. I'm not in this forever. You know, we knew it was a season. But then the other thing that we started to do was work on other areas of our life because I didn't want to get back in that same like cycle of chasing money. Like, just because I don't have what I used to have, I don't want to now make this conversation about how we're going to get more money, how we're going to get more money. It was still very much like, who do I need to become so that the next time around I can truly receive it and sustain it, right? And I don't think we think about that a lot. I think a lot of times it's like, when I get the money, everything is going to be good. It's like, no. Right. (laughs) And that's what I like about your message. You focus a lot on the mindset. Yeah. And as you can hear, listeners, that the mindset is what carried you through and allowed you to become successful because... If it was about money, millionaires, people who won the lottery would still be rich. Like, yeah. They wouldn't be falling for bankruptcy. Right. They wouldn't have all these insecurities. Not just about the money. At all. Right. You have to have the mindset and the ability to control the habits that yes. are destructive. Yes. And you have to believe in yourself. Yes. And I call that, so the first pillar, when you go to patricewashington.com, the first pillar is actually about being fit. And people always think I'm talking about just being physically fit, and it's not that. I mean, it is that, but also mentally fit like life is gonna come at you it doesn't matter who you are it doesn't matter what background doesn't matter how cute how awesome how amazing you it doesn't matter things are gonna happen and you have to be mentally fit and prepared and what takes people out and keeps them down in the dumps because a lot of people who are in real estate at the same time as us we know folks who still haven't come back they still haven't bounced back to what they were pre-recession or you know any of that And I know that the difference is the mental fitness, because even though we lost everything and yeah, I had those moments of crying and God, why and all that. But I also always knew that it was a season like in my mind. I knew that even though I lost all my money, my mind is not bad. You know what I'm saying? Like it's temporary. It's like this is temporary. And this is also not happened to me. This has happened for me. There's something that I'm supposed to take out of this. And I thank God today for everything that I went through because I wouldn't have the passion or compassion that I have for people had I not been through that. Right. Because you're talking about a 21 year old kid who came out of college making $200,000 the first year. I didn't like end up grossing a million plus at 25 years old. Had I not been humbled, <laughs> mm-hmm. I would have probably been a mess. Like, and right. I, I really, and I think that that would have destroyed my destiny. You know what I'm saying? Because I was called to really serve people, mm-hmm. and had I just been caught up in all of that, I couldn't be used in service the way that I am now and I much prefer this is so much more fulfilling right than that time in my life was and I want to challenge listeners to think about things that have happened to them and it could be small or big maybe you're not at the job you want to be at maybe you know you have a ton of debt and you don't understand or know how to get out of it maybe you are just you know not able to pay your credit card bill yeah but Anything that you're facing right now, as you're hearing Patrice talk about, is a season. Yes. And it is a stepping stone to something oh, more yeah. and better. Anything like that is challenging you at this point, try not to focus on the negative. Because yeah. as you said, some of the people you knew back in the day have not recovered because they're, you know, I don't know what's happening with them and it could be deeper than what I understand. Yeah. But I can probably, you know, assume that a lot of it is if you focus on the negative, you'll stay in that. Yeah, you will. Versus taking the lesson from whatever it is you're in and taking the positive and building on that. It's also, I really think that personal finance is about personal responsibility. And so even now I run into some of those people. Now that I've moved back to Los Angeles, I run into some of those people 
and it becomes this whole like you're lucky you don't like it was it's been hard out here because you went somewhere else i mean you are plane ticket or drive away if it was just going somewhere else but if you take the same you somewhere else you're gonna get the same results it has nothing to do with well you know but it's this whole you're lucky conversation it's like no i took personal responsibility because people will tell me to this day well, I mean, it's not like you were the only person that lost stuff in the recession. Yeah, I get it, but I had to look at my behaviors. I had to look at my habits. Yeah, I saved quite a bit, but I could have saved more. Yeah, there are decisions that I could have made to, like I said, stop the bleeding that I wasn't strong enough to make because some of them were just business decisions that you have to make if you're the CEO of a company, period. And so once I started to recognize that and take responsibility for that, now I took back the power to be able to change, like course correct and change my destiny. But if you're sticking what somebody did and the president and the economy and this and that, and it's always someone else's fault, you lose the power. Right. You got to take responsibility got, for where you are. Yeah. Yeah. Because I see a lot often too with just in personal finance and when I share my story there, I get tons more positive responses than negative. Yeah. But there then are some people who are just like, well, it's easy for you because you make a lot of money or you and your uh, husband are doing well. Story but, of my life. Right. But that's not necessarily like that's not all. Like obviously there's more to the equation of being successful. All right. So you are like just dropping a lot of great <laughs> mindset, like knowledge bombs. So that's basically where your your choose purpose, not money tagline comes from. Yeah. 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 And really wanting people to look at the other areas of their life that impact money. Because it's not just about the money at all. Like I said, being mentally fit and being aware, even in the mental fitness of some of the things that might be keeping you stuck. Right. Might come from childhood trauma. Right. That's one of the things that I had to address because while I wasn't physically abused, well, I'm still working through some of that in therapy, but while I wasn't like physically abused, I did have people in my family that would tell me I was ugly or make me feel really, really bad about myself. So my self-esteem, my self-worth, my self-love was really low. And I was 25 before I could look at myself in the mirror and not cringe and criticize and have some type of just negative reaction. And so I had to deal just with that. Interject. You said up until 25, and by then you were making money, and you still had I was those still, insecurities. I was making money. Okay. Yeah. And I still had those insecurities, and I still was like, well, people like me because I'm smart, or people like me because I know how to make money. But I could not accept when people would say, oh, you're beautiful. I'm like, you're lying. Or why would you say that? Or it would make me like squint my eyes and look at people crazy. Like, what's wrong with them? You know, but I had to go to therapy. First of all, my husband helped a lot because that 22, 23, when he realized, like, are you serious right now? This conversation, he would make me look in the mirror and he would say, look at your eyes, look at your this. And so I started to affirm things, but it took a few years and some therapy to really believe it. Right. Because it doesn't matter what other people tell you. You have to really believe it. And I think about that time and now how I'm being used in terms of media and I do a lot of television and I'm got these books with my face all over it and I do a lot of things that really force you to have a public like kind of persona or whatever put yourself out there and that has been a part of getting to my wealth now has been being able to put myself out there but if I still felt the way that I did back then had I not dealt 
with that and got past that, I don't think I could be, again, as useful in my purpose as I am today. So I was encourage people, too. That's another piece of the work that people think, oh, when I have more money, no, because you still got to deal with you. <laughs> any of the insecurities or things that are impacting you now, it will only magnify with yes. more money. So you got to work on it now. Yes. So whether that's going to therapy, hopefully maybe your insurance covers part of your mm-hmm. therapy in case you, you know, you're more cash strapped and you don't mm-hmm. have it. Or, you know, being honest with the people you trust yeah. the most, whether that's your best friend, your husband, or just someone. Or picking up a book on the topic of right. self-love or whatever that thing is for you. Right, because these things, like, it does not seem like it, but it affects our behavior with money. It does. I realize a lot of times that the negative habits with money, overspending, is basically over-validating, trying to fill that void. Trying to fill the void. Yeah, yeah. you're trying to fill a void. And most people who have issues with emotional spending, like, there's something there. Like every time something negative comes up, you got to go buy something to, no, it's like deal with that. Like tackle that and then you'll have the money. Right. You know? I got someone um, asked on my Instagram. They said they can't stop spending. They want to, but, you know, they say they're not going to go into more debt and then just something just happens and they can't do it. And I told her, I responded and I said, it's deeper than just spending. It's some yes. emotional issues there that unless you address, it's like not about the money. It's never about dollars, the money. You know, then you're just going to up where you shop. <laughs> I would tell people who you are with $100 is who you are with $1,000 is who you are with a million dollars. Right. And that's why even when you don't have the money that you feel like you want or desire right now, you still have to incorporate a lot of these things that we talk about budgeting and saving and all this because it's a muscle mm. and you're not all of a sudden going to get buff when you get a million dollars. Like right. you have to build that muscle over time. You got to prepare yourself no matter yeah. where you are and believe that it's going to happen for you. So mm-hmm. you prepared for those blessings. Exactly. So, okay. You brought up your husband. So mm-hmm. kudos to your husband for helping you out and you guys been together for a long time. And child, a yeah, long time. And I relate. My <laughs> husband and I have been together for a very long time too, so I get it. But how important is it to pick the right partner on this journey? Because obviously, two minds, two paychecks, two hearts working together to this journey is gonna like elevate you right know, quicker. So I really believe that the only reason that I am who I am, besides God, because I have strong faith, but the only thing outside of that is the support and encouragement of my husband. You know, I have great parents and all that, but nothing has compared to, because they made a lot of assumptions about what they thought I should just know because I was here, you know? And it's like, no, my husband has been just such a great support system in me going after my dreams, chasing this whole, you know, we used to say, you're going to be like Susie Orman, you know, you're so, I would go in Barnes and Nobles and we would turn all her books around on the bookshelf. And I took a picture one day and I was like, I'm going to be on the bookshelves too. And my husband was like, I'm going to stand in agreement with you. And now I do have books on the bookshelf in Barnes and Noble, right? And it's because he has supported me every step of the way. But I've also always really been clear because I always feel like people say, well, it's easy for you because your husband's supportive. I'm like, okay. I've also always been clear about my intentions and what I wanted to create. And I think he can stand behind clarity. It's really hard to stand behind lack of clarity like you're switching every day who you want to be what you're going to do and that comes from again out of alignment trying to chase what's hot my husband always knew that I was chasing 
what I truly felt like God called me to do. Right. So you believed in yourself. Now, there might have been some things that you were insecure about, but deep down, you knew what you wanted, and he saw that, and he saw your commitment to it, and he was able to help you. Mm -hmm. So how can, like, someone who has a partner, and it could be maybe they don't want to be the next Susie Orman, but right. maybe they just want to, you know, be able to get out of debt, and they want to retire early, yeah. and they have a partner. How can they create a duo where it's just like you guys are together unstoppable? Like, what's, how do they do that? I think open communication and not assuming that your partner is clear about what your goals are. And also, I really think it's important to maintain individual goals, but then also have shared goals. My husband and I have shared goals, but it takes reaching our individual goals for us to create those family goals and stuff. So we support each other because we see the bigger picture is you're fulfilled in what you do. I'm fulfilled in what I'm doing to get to my goals. And when, as we achieve these goals, it only enhances the family, right. you know? Right. But we're really clear about what that is. I can only stand behind him because he's really clear about what it is. And we can hold each other accountable. I wouldn't call him my accountability partner because I have someone else for that. But when I know what his goals are and what he's saying his focus is for the year, let's say, and I see him day in and day out doing things that don't line up with that, then I get to be the, hey, because now if you don't fulfill your stuff, you're messing up the share goal, and I don't have time for that. Right. <laughs> but we get to, like, really check each other, check on and check in with, but also check each other. Like, hey, chop, chop, we're working on stuff over here. Like, what's yeah. happening? And it's so important because, again, two people working towards the same goal is key. Now, and I like what you said about having individual goals because yeah. it's something, like, when I came home and told my husband, like, we're going to have to figure out a way where we can, like, save and invest more. It's going to require that you possibly, like, quadruple what you've been putting into your retirement accounts. It affected him. Mm -hmm. And But before we made those changes, like, I made sure that, all right, but I want you to be happy. So what's going to make you happy now? Yes. And what's going to, and think about the life you want to live in the future. Yeah. And, you know, and even now I think about, like, all right, I know my goal is to retire in six years, but he still plans to work, right? Mm -hmm. And even though, like, I'm over the luxury cars, like, I know deep down he wants one. Yeah. So oh, that's I'm, my right, husband, too. Right. Yeah. So I'm just like, okay. So in my head, I am trying to think of ways, like, I want to be able to get him what he wants for supporting mm -hmm. me on this journey. Like, being responsible, obviously, first. I want to be able to get him what yeah. he wants. And so I like that. I like that it's not only about one person, but it is important to support each other. Make right. sure you're asking the questions. What do you want? Someone can, like, go up to their spouse and say, all right, we need to get out of debt, and that means we don't need to go out to eat anymore. We need to cut, double down. That wouldn't work in my house. Right. Like, you have to, make, <laughs> you have to start out manageable and reasonable like, yeah. with your request to, like, get yeah. it done. Yeah. And you have to respect their vision for their life, too. And for me, money is not everything, you know? So I would have much more aggressive goals if I were not with my husband that's true that's the reality and he knows that I know that everybody that knows us knows that right but I really love being married I love my family and you have to find some compromise there and you have to just do I know that my husband wouldn't do anything to jeopardize our family and I know that as long as I stay flexible you know I would probably be as extreme as like let's save 70% of you know he's not about to do all that I do the same yeah he's not about to do all of that but you know what he rocks with me at 35% and I'm good with it you know because he could be like what but as long as he gets to still have a life because I believe in discipline not deprivation you know you got one life I'm not here for the I'm not drinking any Starbucks today listen if I want Starbucks today I'm gonna have Starbucks that is what it is you know but I also am really big on 
earning more. So my other thing is like, it, it, for me, it's not all about scarcity and cutting everything out. That just feels really restrictive to me personally. I'm not even a big spender at all. People look at me and think I am. My husband buys all the clothes in the family. I don't buy anything. It's not that at all. But I'm like, I want the freedom and flexibility to do what I want to do when I want to do it. What good is money if I can't live like that? Right. And I love that because it's important to manage your expenses. Yeah. And I tell when I tell people about like cutting back on like the Starbucks or the non-necessary items, it's when people are coming to me saying, listen, I have debt. I can't, right, right. I can't, I'm living paycheck to paycheck. Mm-hmm. Well, then to me, that means you got to be uncomfortable for a bit. Yeah, you're going to have to make some sacrifices. Right. But in the long term, though, like... It doesn't always have to be that way. Right. Once you get back on your feet, once you're more established and you have some, you know, mechani- mechanisms in place to help you on track, yes. Absolutely. Budget in some fun money, some restaurant money. Absolutely. That's okay. But income is important. Income is important. I mean, there was one point where I felt like we, especially when we were rebuilding, my husband was at Taco Bell and I was working at a nonprofit and we had cut everything we could cut. And I'm like, you know what? We can't cut no more. You know, there's nothing left to cut. It's not the outgo. It's the income. It's what's coming in. And I, that's when I really tapped into, you have too many gifts. Like, you have too many gifts to sit here talking about what you don't have or what you can't do. And so I started to turn those blog posts into my first book. This is before you had, like, a lot of eyes on your site. You started oh, to, yeah. You started to think of a book and you started to put it together. Yep. I started to put it together and piece it together and just seek knowledge and find people who have self-published books and hey can I ask you some questions and I'm confused about what happens like how do you get this and how do you get that and again people were so much more open to sharing and I never tried to overwhelm any one person with a million questions I was like I'm gonna get this question answered from her I'm gonna ask this guy this and kind of piece it all together and so I started to do things to earn more money and so when I was creating those speaking opportunities going to churches and stuff I could tell immediately and social strategy was not such a huge thing back then but I was like I need to take pictures when I'm speaking or I need to like really start to capture this stuff I put back on all that marketing stuff I got from business school right right and so I started to like okay now I'm going to pitch these people and ask them if they give me $100 to come speak. And I started getting $50 first, $100, $250, then $500, and I've just kind of gone up from there. But at the time, it was like, if I can get $200 a month, that makes a difference for us. And that's where I started. And a lot of people are like, yeah, I got to make $1,000. I'm like, start where you are. Why do we despise small beginnings? I was very comfortable with asking for $50 first because I wanted to, again, build the muscle. Mm-hmm. And like, let me see, let me ask, let me, you and know. you're getting that experience, you're getting, even though... Which is invaluable. Yeah, I was building my voice. Right. You were developing yourself into a top-notch speaker, preparing yourself for the time when you would be on Steve Harvey. Yeah. And all these amazing platforms, sharing your gift with a larger audience. Yeah. So, and I want to point that out to the listeners because... I know for me, I feel like my platform is still growing. Yeah. And but it's all a preparation. So like you, when you said you had one person like write you, but that's all you need. You just need the feedback that there is at least like a couple people. Right. That's it. <laughs> Enjoying or listening to what you're talking about. Yeah. So I just love that. Now that you know, you talked a little bit about your upbringing. How you know there were some things that could have been done differently to help instill in yeah. your values. But now you're a mom. Yes. Mini money maven. Money maven <laughs> Reagan. Yeah. So what are you? teaching her about money what are you instilling in her oh my gosh what is she teaching me about money that's the real question Reagan it's funny how kids just soak stuff up right because I have always tried to be very intentional not try I've been intentional with her 
as a little baby, like making, we used to make envelopes where if she would have a give, save, spend envelope and we would talk about what that meant or picky banks or taking her to the bank to deposit money, her own birthday money in her account and filling her name in on the deposit slip and stuff. I was really intentional about those things, but I knew that I was doing a good job and she was about six or seven years old. She asked her cousin, what are you going to do with all your birthday money? And he said, go buy some candy. And she was like, what? <laughs> She's like, why aren't you saving for college? There's so much you could do with that. And I remember my brother was like, oh my God, here she goes. You know, that's when we really start calling her mini money maven. But I just have intentional conversation with her all the time. I mean, she is very aware. She's 10 now. She travels with me quite a bit. She's heard me on stage, I don't know how many times. And she's sometimes sitting in my office when I'm doing interviews like this. So it's just continuously having that conversation that plants the seed. And I really see it come to fruition. Like her birthday just passed August 1st. And, you know, she got her money and she's like, Mom, I'm going to like save $40 and then use my gift cards. And then she's like, I want to put all my checks in the bank. I'm like, cool. Like, she had a plan, and I used to be very, like, you got to have this money. It's not so much to me anymore about managing what she puts where, as long as she has an awareness and an understanding that every dollar in does not go back out. Mm -hmm. And I can appreciate that in her 10-year-old mind, now she's kind of moving it up a bit, like, I'm going to go ahead and keep a little more or whatever, but she has an awareness that I have to save some, I have to give some, and I can spend a little over here. And then when we go out, I'm really like, you spend your money. Right. So she's been at the counter before and got turned away. I've had dirty looks right. at a count at Target <laughs> where someone's like, she's not going to give that little girl $2. Are you going to give me my tax money? Right. No. Right, right. Like, like, don't, don't manage what's going on. Don't yet. manage yeah. what's going on over here. I've had people try to give her money in the line. I'm like, that doesn't happen mm -hmm. as an adult. That doesn't mm -hmm. happen in the real world. And I'm sure along with the practical things you're teaching her about money, you're doing a lot of the mindset stuff too. Oh my gosh. My daughter's mindset, I'm not even going to lie to you, off the chain. Mm -hmm. The way that she sees life, I look at her every day, no lie, and I'm like, man, if I had this kid's mindset and confidence at 10 years old, my daughter is more confident at 10 years old than I was at 22. And if I was able to create what I did create at 22... This kid, you guys better get ready. This girl is off the chain. Like, you cannot tell her no. She's like, okay, so maybe I just need to think of another way. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like, she has this, like, determination, this perseverance. She's very resilient. She's moved all over the country. She's had three places. I lived in Atlanta, L.A., and Chicago mm -hmm. for 18 months at one period. And we were all over. And her resilience and ability to just bounce back at yeah. the time. I mean, it's just phenomenal. And she listens to Joel Osteen <laughs> in the morning on the way oh, to I need school. to meet your daughter then. <laughs> yeah, she listens to Joel Osteen and she's like, anytime you have like a bad day, she's like, it's okay. Mm -hmm. Remember when Joel said that, you know, it's just a step up, <laughs> you know, it's not a step back to come back. And uh -huh. she's full of like little cliches and antidotes. And, and I love that. And I wanted to say before we like conclude that no matter where you're from yeah. or your circumstance or depths that you have fallen, you can rise. And I like that 
not only are you rewriting like story in like now your your family, like, yeah. So you know you were maybe missing out some things in your upbringing. Oh yeah. And for me, like I was raised with a lot of love, but there are things I'm doing with my sons now. Yeah. That is intentional. Like, yes. And I'm just like, you are gonna be better than me, mm-hmm. right? Because we look at each other and say, wow, like you went this far. Yeah. And you didn't maybe have all the things like that you wanted. So can you just imagine like instilling these principles in like our kids when they'll be? Yeah. Like they want to like phenomenal. give me a job. Like, right. <laughs> phenomenal. So, okay, Pritchie, I just want to say thank you so much. Thank you. This coming. is so fun. Yes, 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 for being so open and honest. Yeah. Sharing your story. I know, I know that people are going to be listening to this and they're going to be able to see and gain something from this. So, I appreciate thank it. Thank you again for coming on the show. Thank you. Wow. Thank you so much, Patrice, for that interview. I really hope you guys enjoyed that. I loved, loved Patrice's story. I love the idea of redeeming oneself from coming from nothing to have it in all and then losing it all and then gaining it back all again. It just shows you that nothing is promised. So even when you think you've reached your final destination, and by the way, there is no final destination. It's a continual journey at any moment things can change. And what matters is the skills you have learned, your integrity, and your mindset. Those things people can't take away. The market can't collapse and take that away. So I want you to continue to focus on the mindset piece of this financial journey. Because as you can see, it was once Patrice shifted her mindset that she really, really got herself back on her feet. So again, thanks, Patrice. And for all the show notes, for everything we mentioned, and to link up and connect more with Patrice, to listen to her new podcast, you can go to journeytolaunch.com slash episode 10. And like I promised, I wanted to read one of the iTunes reviews that I got. So thank you, everyone who has been leaving reviews. This one is from Bonafide Latina. She says, so happy I found this at the time of launch so that I can never fall behind on episodes. Love Jamil's approach to personal finance. She stays super relatable to me as I am also a corporate woman of color that didn't grow up with much, but has always strived to get more than what I grew up with. I look forward to hearing more about Jamila's experience with saving successes and tips and debt management. Thank you for launching this, Jamila. Well, thank you, Bonafide Latina, for listening, giving me your feedback, and leaving that review. I really appreciate it. And if you want to leave a review for the Journey to Launch podcast and you're listening in iTunes, just go to iTunes and click first, click subscribe, and then click review and rate so you can review and rate the podcast. And again, before I go, I just wanted to say thank you, everyone, for listening. See you next week. (laughs) 